بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار we are very close to the end of the uh, poem we're in the last two lines and after discussing all of the various issues of uh, belief Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah in what is ascribed to him of this poetry he said هَذَا اَعْتِقَادُ الشَّافِعِي وَمَالِكٍ وَأَبِي حَنِيفَةَ ثُمَّ أَحْمَدَ يُنْقَلُ Which means that this is, this is the creed, this is the belief of al-Shafi'i and Malik and Abu Hanifa and then Ahmed that which has been transmitted from them. So we'll begin with a commentary of Sheikh Salih al-Suhaymi, a very brief commentary. And he says that the Sheikh, rahimahullah ta'ala, Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, in the poem, he has established the aqidah of the Salaf. He's explained the broad uh, principles or the broad aspects of the belief of the Salaf. And from the specific things he mentioned, he mentioned a belief in the Qur'an, belief in the Sunnah, Iman in uh, loving the Sahaba, Hubbu Sahaba, Ajma'een, all of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, uh, Iman in Allah's names and His attributes, Iman in the Qur'an, that it is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Qur'an is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iman in the Ru'ya, the Ru'ya, that the believers will see their Lord on Yawmul Qiyamah. So he mentioned that as well. And likewise, Iman in the last day, in the final day. And whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for his pious believers, Al-Muttaqeen, and whatever he has prepared for his enemies, Al-Kafirin. All of this is from the Aqidah of the Salaf. It is the belief of Ahlu Sunnati wal Jama'ah. And they do not, do not turn away from this neither to the left nor to the right. And then Ibn Taymiyyah he mentions specifically four names. Four names of the four Imams, Abu Hanifa and Nu'man who died in the year 150 after Hijrah. And then Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala who died in the year 179 Hijrah. And then Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, who died in the year 204 Hijrah. And then Imam Ahmed, who died in the year 241 Hijrah, rahimahullah ta'ala. So all of them, these four names, they were upon the manhaj, the way of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah. So the point behind this, the Sheikh explains, is that this is the belief, all these affairs, these are the belief of all of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah. And it is upon every single Muslim, every Muslim man and woman, that he believes, that he is firm upon these affairs of belief. And 
at the head of them he mentioned four names. There's a reason why he mentioned the four names. And these four names, the Aimmatul Arba, Al Aimmatul Arba'a, the four uh, Imams, they are followed by the majority of the Muslims. All of the Muslims they follow one of these four Imams. And the intent by mentioning these four was not to say these are the only four, but rather that these four are the ones who because they played a great role in the in, 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 in the deriving the rulings, the ahkam, and making the deen easy to understand for the students of knowledge, and likewise for the general people, that because they played a great role in the fiqh of the kitab and the sunnah, and they became famous and well known, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them tawfiq, and He allowed their names to remain, and to be recognized by the Muslims after them. But because of that, he mentioned their names because of their ijtihad, because of the goodness that they uh, offered and presented. And so all of these imams, their aqidah was one. Every single issue, all of the issues mentioned in this uh, poetry, all of these imams were upon the same creed, and there wasn't any difference amongst them in the issues of creed, save for one issue that is raised about Abu Hanifa rahimahullah ta'ala, in that his belief regarding iman, faith, that his belief was in agreement with the belief of the murji'ah, who, explained, who, ex, uh, who expelled actions from being from the reality of faith. So apart from that one issue, then in all of the other issues in general, there is agreement between them. And uh, however, one of the things that we should understand is that although there are, four madh- there are four madhabs and there are four schools of thought, this does not mean that these imams were in disagreement. They were not in disagreement. Rather, they were upon a single creed, a single belief, a single way. And for that reason, you will find that in history, in the third century after Hijrah and the fourth century after Hijrah, you will find many scholars who, some of them, they were upon the fiqh, upon the jurisprudence of Imam Ahmed, ta'ala, and others you will find them, they were upon the fiqh of Imam, of Imam al-Shafi'i, ta'ala, and others you will find, they were upon the fiqh, upon Imam Malik, ta'ala. yet you will see every single one of them, upon the same creed, all of them writing books and refuting the deviant sects who were present in their time. So we have people like Ibn Khuzayma, rahimahullah ta'ala. And likewise, uh, in, the, in, 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 you know, in the same century, uh, who were following in the way of the uh, Shafi'i scholars, Abu Uthman al-Sabuni, and many of the, of, the, of the scholars, you look at them and you look at their books, then you take the Hanbali scholars and you look at their books, then you take some of the Maliki scholars, like Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani and others, and you look at their books, and you see that all of them, when you pick up their books you will see they're, they're, they're speaking the same things. Uh, Iman is belief, speech, and action. And we believe in Allah's names and attributes. And we believe that Allah will be seen in the hereafter. And we believe in the sirat, and we believe in uh, the hawd, and we believe uh, in the ru'ya, and we believe in... And so they mention all of these things together, and they're refuting the jahmiyyah and the mu'tazila. And 
those people who are present today, who ascribe themselves, for example, to Imam Malik, or to Imam Shafi'i, or to Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah ta'ala, you will find that in their creed, they oppose the creed of those Imams. But the only attachment they have is the attachment from the angle of fiqh. We are following the fiqh of Abu Hanifa. We are following the fiqh of Imam Malik. We are following the fiqh of Ahmed, uh, some of them Ahmed bin Hanbal, and others Imam al-Shafi'i. And then they use this to conceal the fact that in the names and attributes, or in the issue of Iman, al-Iman, like we see the Maturidi Hanafis, and the Ash'ari Shafi'is present today. They oppose Imam al-Shafi'i, they oppose Abu Hanifa, and likewise the, the Malikis, they oppose Imam Malik in the issues of belief. So this is something that we need to be aware of, that all of those four Imams were upon a single creed. There was no difference between them in the issues of Aqidah. And uh, as for the approaches in fiqh, they had different approaches in fiqh, and that is something that we can accommodate, and we can you know, uh, accommodate, but the foundation, uh, the foundation is the issues of belief. And so when we see people present today, as, as I said, that many of those who ascribe to those imams, those imams are free of them. In fact, Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah himself, and this really has come to the end of the, the discussion of uh, the, the brief commentary of Shaykh Salih al-Sahimi, uh, but to, to add a point that Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, he makes an excellent point. He says that if we can accept that there are people who ascribe to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the Prophet sallam he is free and innocent of those people. Right? There are many, many people, many groups, many factions who ascribe to the Prophet sallam. Like, for example, uh, the, the extreme groups of the Rafida, you know, the very extreme groups who we find that they, uh, the, amongst them they have kufr, or like the Batiniya, or like many of those people affected with with philosophy in in the Ummah. The likes of Ibn Sina and those people, and many people who they would claim and they ascribe to the Prophet ﷺ, but he is free and innocent of them. And likewise, they ascribe to the Prophet ﷺ things which he is free and innocent of. Now, if this can happen to the Prophets and Messengers, then of course it can happen to the Imams of the Sunnah. It can happen to the Imams of the Sunnah. So there are many people who ascribe to Abu Hanifa Ta'ala and they, ascribe, they, 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 they attribute things to him. They say that he, you know, they, they ascribe things to him, they attribute certain books to him, they write things and they say, this is the creed of Abu Hanifa, and Abu Hanifa Ta'ala, he's free and innocent of that belief. And he's free and innocent of them. And they do the same with Imam Malik Ta'ala, and the same with Imam Shafi'i. And likewise, they try it even with Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal rahimahullah ta'ala. So the point being here that Ibn Taymiyyah in this poetry, he mentioned those four Imams, those four Imams were upon a single uh, creed, and this is the creed of the Muslimin. And so we, so this is the end of the speech really of Sheikh Saul Suhaimi, and for some more elaboration, uh, we, we'll mention each of these Imams. So he mentioned first of all Imam al-Shafi'i, هذا اعتقاد الشافعي الإمام الشافعي رحمه تعالى هي إز محمد بن إدريس بن العباس بن, بن عثمان and he continues to the end of his genealogy 
And he was born in the year 150 Hijrah. And it's important for us as Muslimin to uh, know uh, at least something about the life, the birth, the life, uh, the efforts and the sacrifice of these scholars. And uh, because history is very important to us as Muslimin and to know the time that they lived. So Ash-Shafi'i Ramlu Ta'ala, he was born in 150 Hijrah, in the middle of the second century. And he died in the year 204 Hijrah. He was a man of 54 years of, of age. Rahimahullah Ta'ala. He was born in Gaza, which is present-day uh, Palestine. And it's also said he was born in another place, Qastalan. And his father died, and then his mother took him to Mecca. He then went to Mecca. And this was only when he was two years of age. At the age of two, his mother took him to Mecca. And then as a child, he began to... He learned archery. He learned archery. He became a skilled archer. And this shows uh, that our, the scholars of the Muslimin, that when we look into their lives and their, their, their biographies, that we find... That these kinds of affairs, that they were practical uh, people, and as childhood they developed certain skills and things of that nature. It's also a lesson for us as Muslimin that our children, we make sure that they learn practical arts, practical skills. All of these are things which are beneficial. And so he became a skilled archer. Then he uh, turned to memorizing poetry, and likewise becoming skilled in the Arabic language. And then he became... Uh, you know, he, he loved fiqh, you know, to, to study the ahadith and to derive, uh, uh, you know, the, the fiqh from the ahadith, the understanding and the rulings. He, this is something that he became, he, he, became, he turned into loving this type of thing. And so then he uh, memorized al-muwatta of Imam Malik, ta'ala. he memorized the whole book of Imam Malik, and Imam Malik, uh, you know, came before him. And then he continued uh, and studying until he became someone of renown, became a very famous scholar and a scholar of renown. And then he began to write certain books in which he laid down uh, principles of fiqh, like his book Al-Um and some of the other books that he wrote. And, uh, you know, uh, th this is the basic, just a very brief uh, explanation of the uh, life of Sheikh Muhammad bin Idris al-Shafi'i Ramlu Ta'ala. Imam al-Dhahabi said, he is an Imam, Alim al-Asr, he is an Imam, he is an Alim of the age, a scholar of the era. Nasir al-Din, he is an aider of the religion, Abu Abdullah al-Qurashi. As for his Aqeedah, as we've already mentioned, his Aqeedah is a Salafi Aqeedah, it is the Aqeedah of the Companions, and there's nothing in which he opposed the companions in his creed. We see there are many statements which are narrated about him. Al-Rabi' bin Suleiman, he said, سَمِعْتُ الشَّافِعِي وَسُئِلَ عَنِ الْقُرْآنِ I heard Imam al-Shafi'i saying, he'd just been asked about the Qur'an. He said, Uf, uf, al-Qur'anu kalamu Allah, man kala makhlukun fakad kafar. So he said, uf, uf, meaning, this is, this is a grave and serious issue. Don't ask about this issue. The Qur'an is the speech of Allah. And whoever says it is created, then he has disbelieved. Now pay attention to these quotations from these imams. 
Because as I said to you, many people, they say we are Shafi'i. Today you will find that the majority of the Shafi'is are in fact Ash'aris. They are Ash'aris in their belief. And when you see what Imam Shafi'i said here, man qala makhluqun, whoever says the Qur'an is created, faqad kafar, he has disbelieved. And you see that all of the Ash'aris today, this is actually what they believe. They believe that the Arabic Qur'an that we have, that we recite, that we read, memorize, and that we believe in, and that we believe that Allah spoke that Qur'an, and Jibreel heard that Qur'an, and he conveyed it to Muhammad wasallam. they say that this Qur'an is created. But in order to conceal this belief and to hide this belief from the general Muslims, because when you speak to the general Muslims, the Muslims only know one Qur'an. We only know one Qur'an. It is the Arabic Qur'an. And if they were to say to the people, this Qur'an, this Arabic Qur'an, its letters and words and everything else, it is makhluq, it is created. Even the general Muslim won't accept this. The army Muslim who is not a scholar, because his fitra, there's something that is present with him which tells him his innate belief, his innate disposition, tells him this is wrong. We believe this is the, 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 the Qur'an, the speech of Allah, Allah spoke this Qur'an. But in order to conceal and hide this belief, they won't say the Qur'an is created. They will say, they will use all sorts of uh, deception and trickery and very cleverly uh, uh, devised phrases and statements. And they will use statements like this. They say, yes, we, we believe the Qur'an is the speech of Allah uncreated. And what they really mean is that the meaning that is with Allah in the self of Allah, that's uncreated. But the words, they are created. And they'll play all these little games and things like that. And you will find it in their books. And this is why, we, as I said, we have to be aware and careful that not everybody who, who ascribes himself to these imams is actually following and upon the creed of these imams. These imams were Salafi imams. They were following those who came before them from the Salaf, from the Tabi'een and the Sahaba. Likewise, uh, Ash-Shafi'i, he said that no one engaged in kalam, in kalam, uh, and then prospered. No one entered into kalam and then prospered. And by kalam, he means that philosophical language that entered into the Muslims in the second century, by which people began to speak about Allah's names, His attributes, through philosophy and logic and rhetoric. And this madhab, this way, is the way that we find today amongst the Maturidi, Hanafis and the Ash'ari, the, the Ash'aris and other than them. They, they are the inheritors of this kalam that these Imams were speaking against. Ash-Shafi'i, Malik and other than them. And uh, likewise, Imam Ash-Shafi'i, he said, لَوْ عَلِمَ النَّاسِ مَا فِي الْكَلَامِ وَالْأَحْوَاءِ لَفَرُّوا مِنْهُ كَمَا يَفِرُّونَ مِنَ الْأَسَدِ That if the people knew that which is in, in kalam, in this, this, this way of speaking about Allah, with logic, philosophy, rationale, and likewise with desires, they would have fled from it, like they flee from a lion. And likewise, he uh, also used to debate uh, some of the people, and used to debate a particular man in his time called Hafs, Hafsan al-Farad. And this man was a man who was upon some of these beliefs that the Qur'an is created. 
And Imam Shafi used to say that if a scholar makes a mistake in something, that's okay, that's fine. It can be said the scholar made a mistake. This is better than that a scholar enters into ilmul kalam and then it is said about him that he is a zindiq. Meaning that mistakes can happen. Mistakes can happen. But it is better for a scholar to make a mistake in something in the affairs of the religion than to enter into ilmul kalam and for it to be said about him that he has become a zindiq, a heretic. Because this is the effect and the influence of kalam upon a person. It leads him to heresy. So these are some, some statements from Imam al-Shafi, and you can see that those people who are present today who ascribe to Imam al-Shafi from the Ash'aris and, the Ma, and you know, maybe not so many of the Maturidis because they are mostly Hanafi, but the, but, but the Shafi'is who are Ash'aris, and you look into their books and you read their books, what are their, what are their books? It is all Ilmul Kalam, the books of their scholars, you know, Ar-Razi, or uh, the, the early ones who came before. These, these are books of hardcore Ilmul Kalam. Uh, they are statements of the philosophers. You know, language of the philosophers, philosophizing about Allah, what can be said about Him, what can't be said about Him. You know, all of this is, is, is incorrect. So this is Imam al-Shafi'i. He mentioned Imam al-Shafi'i first, and then he said, هَذَا اَتِقَادُ الشَّافِعِي وَمَالِكٍ And Imam Malik is the Imam of Darul Hijra, Darul Hijra, which is Medina, because Hijra was made to Medina. He is Abu Abdullah, or Abu Abdullah, Malik bin Anas, Bin Malik, Bin Abi Amir, Bin Amr, Bin Al-Harith. And he was born in the year 93 Hijra. 93 Hijra. So he came before Imam al-Shafi. And so he was, uh, uh, he sought knowledge when he was just over the age of 10. At the age of 10, he began to seek knowledge. And he became so fit and capable in the knowledge that he was seeking and learning from the ulama that he was in a position to actually give fatwa. He was already in a position to start giving fatwa to the people. But he would sit in the gatherings of the scholars in order to benefit from the scholars. And all of this was by the age he reached the age of 21. By the age of 21, he, you know, he was already in a position to be giving fatwa to the people. And even whilst he was a youth, when he's this age, many of the scholars of hadith, they would narrate from him. And he was a narrator of hadith whilst he was that, that young age. And this is something by which that when we look at the stories of these scholars and these imams, we encourage our children. Look at the likes of Imam al-Shafi'i, look at the likes, likes of Imam Malik. They had a desire, they had zeal. They had eagerness to seek knowledge. They had eagerness to um, you know, seek the pleasure of Allah, to acquire knowledge, acquire fiqh, and to benefit themselves, the families, the parents, the people around them, the communities. So our youth, you children, you should have this, you should have this zeal. You should, you should have this eagerness towards the Qur'an, towards the sunnah, memorization of the sunnah, towards the aqidah, towards gaining fiqh, understanding of the religion. And so, uh, at a very young age, he became skilled and rooted in knowledge, such that people would start coming to him from different parts of the, of the Muslim world. They would come from every horizon and every direction, until that his gathering would become you know, congested. 
because of all of the people coming to seek knowledge from this Imam. Mamalik said, "Laysa هذا الجدل من الدين بشيء من الدين بشيء." He said, "This argumentation, this disputation, has got nothing to do with the religion." What is he speaking about? He's speaking about the same ilmul kalam, because Imam Malik was living in that period when this ilmul kalam entered the ummah at the hands of Jahm bin Safwan, Al Jad bin Dirham. So he lived and he witnessed and experienced these kind of affairs of people speaking about Allah, His names, His attributes. And in fact, once he said, "Iyakum wal bid'ah, Iyakum wal bid'ah, beware of innovations." And it was said to him, "Wamal bid'ah, what is bid'ah?" And he said, "The people who speak about Allah and His names, you know, upon other than uh, those who speak and delve and dispute about Allah and His names and His attributes, this is what he's speaking about." This ilmul kalam. Likewise, he said, "La yu'khadul ilm an arba'ah." Knowledge is not to be taken from four types of people. Do not take knowledge from four types of people. First one, safihun yu'lin al-sufr. A fool, a fool who makes his foolishness open for everyone to see. You know, foolish person who makes open his foolishness. And Then he said, uh, and even if he's the most pleasing of people to you, if you, if even if he's to be the most pleasing of people, or even if he's the most, even if he's someone who has got the most knowledge, he narrates a great deal. If you see from him foolishness, don't take knowledge from this from this person, no matter how much knowledge he carries. The second one he said, وَصَاحِبُ بِدْعَةٍ وَصَاحِبُ بِدْعَةٍ يَدْعُو إِلَى هَوَاهِ A person of bid'ah. A person who was upon some innovation in the religion, some newly invented matter in the religion, a deviation. He's upon it, and he calls and invites the people to his desire, to this misguidance. Do not take knowledge from a mubtadir, from an innovator who is calling to his bid'ah. Third one, he said, and the one woman yakdib fi hadith nas. وَإِن كُنْتُ لَا أَتِّمَهُ أَتَّحِمْهُ فِي الْحَدِيثِ He says, uh, the third one, whoever lies in the speech between the people. Whoever lies in the speech between the people. So, he, so when he speaks to people, he tells lies. Even though he might not tell lies when narrating hadith. Right? So even though he's not lying about hadith, if you find him lying about in the speech with the people, then this one, don't take knowledge from this person. Don't take ilm from this person who you find lying in his general conversations with the people. He's not fit for, for knowledge to be taken from him. And the final, the, 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 uh, the final one is, he says, the fourth one, uh, is a person who is a righteous person, he's a worshipper, he's a good righteous worshipper, meaning his pious given to devotion, but... Uh, he is not someone who takes care in what is being narrated to him. Right? So he's not precise in what he's narrating. He doesn't memorize in what you know, he is, he is uh, narrating. They're not precise. So these types of people do not take knowledge from these four types of people. So this is Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala. And after this, In the poetry, وَأَبِي حَنِيفَةِ 
وأبي حنيفة ثم أحمد ثم أحمد ينقل. So he mentioned Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah taala, and his name is Abu Hanifa al-Nu'man bin Thabit bin Zuta al-Taymi. He was born in the year 80 Hijra, 80 Hijra. So he is the earliest and the oldest and the foremost of all of them. And Imam al-Dhahabi, rahimahullah, he mentions that he began to seek out the narrations, the hadith, whilst he was young, and he would travel. He would travel for the sake of knowledge. And uh, he gained, uh, you know, he gained a specialty in fiqh, in the issues of fiqh and the minor details of fiqh, and he was praised in that regard. And as for his creed, as for his aqidah, uh, most of the scholars they explain that Abu Hanifa, in general, like Ibn Taymiyyah says, that in general Abu Hanifa was in agreement with the Salaf in all of the major issues of belief, except for one issue, which is the issue of al iman. The issue of faith. We believe as Muslims that when we say Iman, faith, Iman is something that is found in the heart. There are things you believe. There are things that you feel. There are emotions. You have love. You have fear. You have hope. You have tawakkul. All of these are things that take place in the heart. These are from Iman. Likewise, there are things that you say. You say the Shahada. This validates your Iman. Likewise, you enjoin the good. You prohibit the evil. You make dhikr. You ask for uh, forgiveness from Allah, istighfar. You make tawbah. You recite the Qur'an. All of these are statements that are made with the tongue. All of these are from the actions of worship and they are from iman as well. And likewise, the actions that we perform, we perform the salah, the pillars, the zakah, the hajj, the psalm, removing something harmful from the flaw, righteousness to the parents, and all of the other good deeds, these likewise are considered to be from Iman. They are Iman. They are Iman. If we were to say, just by way of illustration, that Iman was a substance. If we had a ball and said Iman is a substance, we could just take bits out and say, well, yes, this is, you know, this is the, this part is this action and this part is this belief and this part is the action. So Iman, beliefs are from Iman, statements are from Iman, and actions are from Iman. This is what we believe. However, there were some groups which appeared and they made mistakes in this field and they began to say that we can understand that belief is from Iman, that the belief in the heart is from Iman, but we can't, we can't accept that actions are from Iman. And they had reasons why they said this. There were wrong reasons. They, had, they were wrong reasons why they said this, but there were some groups who actually made this particular, who held this particular position. And so Abu Hanifa was something who uh, took this statement from some of his teachers who were in, uh, you know, who were in Iraq at the time in Kufa, and he carried this uh, statement. And this statement was carried on through uh, his followers. And so this is a mistake. Uh, what is correct is that iman consists of belief, speech, and action. But aside from this mistake, in all of the other issues in general, Abu Hanifa, taala, was in agreement with the rest of the scholars. There's some things which have been ascribed to him which are not really correct uh, when, you, when you investigate. Uh, but this is the position, and as Ibn Taymiyyah says, that we consider Abu Hanifa to be from one of those four Imams who has been met with acceptance. Uh, so this is Abu Hanifa, then Ahmed, then he mentioned at the end of the poetry, ثُمَّ أَحْمَدَ يُنْقَلُ 
So Imam Ahmed, he's from the last of these four Imams. He, uh, his name, his name is Abu Abd, Abu Abdullah Ahmed bin Muhammad bin Hanbal bin Hilal bin Asad bin Idris al-Shaybani al-Marwazi thumma al-Baghdadi and he is one of the uh, great scholars uh, his father his uh, son Salih he explains that my father was uh, brought from uh, Marwa which is a place and his father died whilst he was very young Imam Ahmed's father died whilst he was just a, a youth and so his mother took over raising him and he was actually born in the year 160 Hijrah, 160 Hijrah. Uh, Ishaq bin Rahuya, who is one of the teachers of Imam Ahmed, one of the great Imams of the Sunnah, he said, Ahmed hujjatun bain Allah wa bain khalqihi. Imam Ahmed is a hujjah, he is a proof between Allah and His creation. Now, in order to understand these, you know, these statements which are made, these remarks which are made by these scholars, they contain a lot of history. We have to understand the life and the history of these imams to understand why has he been described in this way? Why has it been said about him that Imam Ahmed is a hujja between Allah and His creation? And when we look into history and we see that Imam Ahmed was someone who, uh, if you imagine that the, that the people of Kalam in the hundred years before, when they appeared in the Ummah, the people who were inv involved in logic, philosophy, rhetoric, and, and you know, eroding the belief of the Muslims in Allah, His names, His attributes, these people over time, even though the Salaf spoke against them, were harsh against them, they managed to gain power and influence. They affected the rulers. And then they began to impose their false belief upon the ummah by using the rulers. And the rulers were convinced by them. And they slaughtered thousands of scholars. They imprisoned thousands of scholars. They expelled and, and uh, you know, they, they expelled thousands of scholars. And Imam Ahmed, when Imam Ahmed came, and uh, he went through four different caliphs. There were four caliphs. And he went through trials at the hands of each of those four caliphs. He was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was put to trial. They would bring him out in chains, make him argue with the heads of those people, the heads of Ahlul Kalam from the Jahmiyyah and the Mu'tazil and other than them. And he remained and he stood firm. And he stood firm. And he established the truth that the Sahaba were upon. And if Imam Ahmed, if Imam Ahmed had not taken that position by Allah's tawfiq, then it would have been possible that we today would have been upon the creed of the Jahmiyyah and the creed of the Mu'tazila and the creed of the, the you know the, the, the deviants. But it, because Imam Ahmed he stood and he protected the deen, he protected the religion from something foreign outside of Islam, from corrupting Islam. And this is a great, a mighty service that Imam Ahmed did to the people of Islam and to the people of the Sunnah. That's why some of the scholars, Ali, bin Al, Ali ibn al-Madini, 
Ali ibn al-Madini is the teacher of Imam Ahmad. He's also the teacher of Imam al-Bukhari. He said, أَعَزَّ he said, Allah, He gave strength to this religion by way of a Siddiq, Abu Bakr as Siddiq, on the day of apostasy. What he's referring to here is that after the Messenger of Allah, he passed away. There were many of the hypocrites who weren't really you know, upon Islam, and they thought that the Messengers passed away, we now can come out. And we can basically break free, and we can attack, you know, Islam. So they began to uh, 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 reject certain things, and they wouldn't uh, submit to certain things. So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, he came, and he fought against them, and he subdued them, and he consolidated the strength of Islam and the Muslimin. So he aided Islam by way of this practice. And then, Wabi Ahmed يَوْمَ mihna. And so Ali bin al-Madini is saying that Allah, aided, Allah honored this and supported this religion by Abu Bakr al-Siddiq on the day of apostasy. And he supported Imam Ahmed and he uh, uh, aided the religion through Imam Ahmed on the day of the mihna, on the day of the trial. Meaning the trial of Imam Ahmed when he was punished and beaten and whipped and so on and so forth and made to argue. And they declared him to be a kafir, those, those people who were influencing the rules, they said, this man is a kafir, kill him. He's a mushrik. He is saying the Qur'an is the speech of Allah, but the Qur'an is created. And they wanted all of the Muslims to believe this belief. But he stood firm. And because he stood firm, then that which the companions believed and the tabi'een believed, this became transmitted to us. Because the Mu'tazila and the Jahmiya, they became humiliated, they were subdued. And so the belief of the Sahaba was supported and transmitted and continued, and books were written. And this is how Ibn Taymiyyah, he inherited that. Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab, he inherited that. And the shaykhs of the da'wah, of Ahlul Sunnah, of Tawheed, they inherited that. And that's how we come to that today, present today. So this is a huge service from Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, rahimahullahu ta'ala. Also one of the scholars, he said, سَمِعْتُ بِشَرْ بِنَ الْحَارِثِ he said, "Ana as ana asal an Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Inna Ahmed, he says. In, uh, he says, I am asked about Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Indeed, Ahmed entered, entered the furnace. Imam Ahmed entered the furnace, فخرج ذهبا أحمر, and he came out as gold, like red gold. Me, what does this mean? It means." That he was put into the furnace, meaning he was put into the trial. He was put to trial for many, many long years. So he was put into the furnace. And after the trial, when he came out of the furnace, how did he come out? He came out as pure, unadulterated, gold, pure gold. This is how he came out. What an amazing statement. And so Imam Ahmad, he died in the year 241 Hijrah. And he had many great uh, students of his, Abu Dawood, As-Sijistani. And many of, the, many of his uh, students, they actually uh, authored many works, many important works in creed and other than that. So he is an imam of the sunnah. And it is not possible for anyone to be a Sunni Athari Salafi upon the aqidah of the Salaf, except that he must be upon the creed of Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal. Because Ahmed bin Hanbal was, the, was the, the last of the four Imams. And the creed that he was upon, he was upon the creed of Imam al-Shafi'i.
He was upon the creed of Imam Malik and Abu Hanifa. And he was defending that belief. This is why it is not possible for any person living today to be a Sunni Athari Salafi, except that he must be upon the creed that Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal was upon. And so finally, in the, in the last line of this poetry, uh, it is said, وَأَبِي حَنِيفَةَ ثُمَّ أَحْمَدَ يُنْقَلُوا Which means, and likewise Abu Hanifa and Ahmed, يُنْقَلُوا Meaning that which is narrated, that which is passed on. Meaning that this is passed on from them, um, which is in agreement with the sunnah, and it has been narrated like that, and passed on right up until this time of ours. It has been narrated to us, that you know, this is what these imams were upon. Uh, we finish with just one example, one illustration. As I said to you before, that many of those people who are not upon the belief of these scholars, they are not upon the belief of these scholars, they ascribe things, they invent things, and they fabricate things, and they, they attribute them to these scholars, and those scholars are free of them. We want to give just one example of that, or one or two examples, as it relates to Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala. It is said, uh, there are some narrations, it is said, that Imam al-Shafi'i said, Indeed, I seek tabarruk. I make tabarruk by way of Abu Hanifa. And I go to his grave every day. I go to visit his grave every day. And whenever I have a need, I pray two raka'as, and then I come to his grave, and I ask Allah, and there is no issue, except that it is fulfilled for me. Now this is a clear fabrication upon Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he, uh, he uh, mentions this story, and he says that it is, it is known, the falsehood, of the, the lie of this narration, is known by necessity. Now anybody who knows about narrations and reporting and so on and so forth knows that this is false. And then he mentions some things. He says that Imam al-Shafi'i uh, used to be in Baghdad. And in Baghdad there was no such grave in his time that the people would go to and make dua. This wasn't even known in the time of Imam al-Shafi'i. Because these affairs only entered the Muslims of being attached to the graves and going to the graves. This only entered the Muslims in the 4th century. 350, 360, 370, entering the, 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 the fifth century. This entered the Muslims in Egypt. In Egypt, because the Shia, the Rafida, they came from the, the west, from Tunisia, Al Maghrib, they came from that direction. They came, these were Rafida, Shia, Kuffar, Batiniya. And they came, they came, and they took over Egypt. And they are the ones who built the city of Cairo. They built the city of Cairo. And these people were Rafid Shia. And from their, from their ways was that they would um, celebrate the birthdays of the Ahlul Bayt of Ali, radiallahu anhu, and uh, Fatima and Hassan and Hussein. And they would celebrate the birthday of their ruler. And then they added the birthday, celebrating, celebrating the birthday of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the origin of the celebration of the birthday of the Prophet, it was invented by the enemies of the, of, the, of the Sunnis. Because they came and they took power over the Sunnis. Most of the people of Egypt were Sunnis. And then they would deceive the Sunnis because they wanted them to become Shia. And they imposed these birthdays. And then they would spend lots of money. 
and make celebrations and they would give money out and you know this is how they would they would deceive the people and get them involved and they would also make them attached to the graves because this was from their way and this is how grave worship entered amongst the muslimin so uh in the time of imam al-shafi'i which is in the second century hijra because as you've seen he was born 150 he died 204 hijra this thing was unknown it was unknown to the muslimin so we know just from history this is actually false um imam al-shafi'i he traveled to the hijaz he went to yemen he went to sham he went to iraq he went to egypt in all of these places there were the graves of the prophets that were known and there were the graves of the companions that were known yet we do not see from him or narrated from him that you know and, and these people are more excellent than abu hanifa they are more virtuous than abu hanifa rahmatu taala yet we do not see from imam shafi anything narrated or any of the other imams that they would come to these graves and stop there and make dua there and spend time there and make salah there. and this is not known all of this is 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 not known and likewise even the companions of abu hanifa the actual companions are abu abu hanifa abu yusuf and uh, muhammad bin al hasan and all the others it's not known from them that they would make the likes of this dua and come to the grave and do all of this you know it's not known so from all these angles it is known that this narration is batil and it is false ibn al qayyim says that this narration there is narrated from ash-shafi'i that he used to intend and seek out making dua at the grave of abu hanifa he says it is min al kadhib min al kadhib al-zahir it is clear manifest uh, a lie likewise al-muallimi uh, he uh, refutes one of these uh, fanatical hanafis called al-kawthari muhammad bin zahid al-kawthari he's one of those fanatical uh, the, the hanafis who was present in the last century he wrote a book in refutation of him uh, and again he explains that this narration is uh, false uh it is incorrect and false and likewise imam al albani rahimahullah he also mentions this uh, narration in one of his books and again he establishes that this chain of narration is actually uh false and incorrect and he gives all the evidence and the reason for it and so this really is just one just an example of many many examples of things which are ascribed to imam abu, abu hanifa or imam malik Imam Malik he made ta'wil. Uh, Abu Hanifa did such and such. Al-Shafi'i did such and such. Imam Ahmad did such and such. They ascribe all these things to these imams and these imams are free and innocent from these affairs. So that brings us to an end to our lesson today and this leads us really to the final uh, line of poetry inshallah ta'ala which we'll conclude with uh, in the le- in the next lesson inshallah ta'ala but uh, a-, a summary of this lesson all of the four imams uh, the muslims are attached to them um and follow them and this shows their virtue and their excellence and that which we should investigate and look at is the fact that they were agreed upon in the matters of belief in the matters of aqida and it's not possible for anyone to claim that he is a follower of abu hanifa in fiqh and then oppose abu hanifa in the matters of of creed in the names in the attributes and things like that and likewise for the other imams this is how we evaluate the attachment of an individual to abu hanifa so the maturidis are opposing the creed of abu hanifa and likewise the shafi'is they are opposing the creed of imam ash-shafi'i and likewise the malikis 
you know, who are today who are Ash'aris and Matur, they are opposing the creed of Imam Malik. As for saying we are following his fiqh and, and so on and so forth, that, that doesn't make you a follower of, of Imam Malik. You follow the Imam in the usul. That's what makes you a follower of that Imam. Usul meaning the affairs of Aqeedah. So we conclude our lesson there today. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.